Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Samawong. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Julie Zhang from Russell Investments join us. Julie, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Hi, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so I, I work at Russell Investments, as you mentioned, and I'm the North America Sales Enablement Director for our retail distribution teams. And essentially, the role is, uh, I would say, akin to kind of a quarterback. I think sales has gotten so complicated, especially in a heavily regulated industry like finance. Um, there are so many different components that salespeople need to know and understand. And so much goes into that sales process. It's not enough to just slide a product across the desk and expect someone to buy it. Everyone is so much more informed. There's so much information out there. And that requires a salesperson to be more of an expert. So whether that's training and development, um, understanding how to best utilize marketing materials or understanding more about our partners, uh, client data, um, data visualization, all of that kind of gets merged into one team under under my leadership. And it really extends itself to trying to balance maximizing the experience for our clients, which are investment advisors, as well as maximizing the experience for our client facing teams, because we want to make sure that they're getting the best experience as possible from internal information so that they can display in the best way to our clients externally. Well, Julie, I'm super excited to have you on our podcast today. And in fact, at an event last year uh, where I had noticed you had spoke about how you wanted your client-facing teams to undergo a, a paradigm shift in which they consider training to be a critical part of their role and not just mm -hmm. kind of additive. So how do you instill that mindset in your client-facing teams? Um, <laughs> I, I would not assume that we have. I think that actually, if anything, the recent move to virtual and just the, uh, the elimination of the line between work and home life has made it more difficult to keep training as a top of mind, even though it's probably more essential now than ever, because things are changing so quickly. Um, I would say that when we first started re-envisioning our um, our sales training process, and, and there's a wonderful person, Don Lewis, on my team who's, who's in charge of training and development for our North American Associates. Um, one of the biggest things was making sure we had the right uh, right platform, making sure that we had the right cadence of material and that it was really up to date. So you really need someone to own that material. And it's not like they have to create all of it. They have to really know the company and know the subject matter experts to leverage. But a lot of it was making sure the training was current, up to date, digestible, and that it came out in a regular cadence. So it was always kind of expected. So you want it to become a habit. I think we 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 definitely improved the training quite a bit because Don had built a very robust onboarding process. So from the get-go, it was expected that training would be part of your DNA. I think over time, as we, we try to release training every two weeks, we try to make it in small chunks. So videos are typically less than 10 minutes. There's always an assessment or some kind of quiz at the end to test your knowledge so that you can retain the information for longer. Um, I think as we kind of iterated on those things and made the cadence better and more relatable and had salespeople uh, actually do some of the training, we were able to merge a lot of those best practices together for the best experience on the training side. 
And I think we got to a really good point until obviously when everything kind of fell apart in March and there was just so much information uh, internally, externally that we're trying to get through. And then it became like, okay, I'm going to do the training, but it feels like a check the box moment. And we, we were now kind of going through a, another iteration of, okay, how do we make sure that it doesn't feel like this checking the box, that it feels like it's useful. So everyone is constantly trying to grab a piece of the salesperson's time psychologically mentally so we're always trying to kind of be the barrier of well what is actually absolutely mandatory to the sales process right now today and what is optional like what's a nice to have versus a must have so i think deciphering between the two which can sometimes be difficult in an environment where you really want them to know everything um, becomes more essential so i think don has had to become the prioritization expert on top of everything else Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. I just actually got out of a meeting talking about how do we prioritize because it feels like we're all working um, exponentially harder and it's mm -hmm. even more difficult to see those results. So what are some best practices that you, you've been able to implement or that you're starting to implement to ensure that the um, that continuous trainings um, for your teams are, are actually consumed by those reps? That's a great question, Shauna. We actually recently did a, um, we have weekly national sales calls and we recently did one where we asked people to share best practices. And this is a very common occurrence where you have people say, we need best practices, we need more best practices, but it's difficult to monitor whether or not any of these best practices actually get implemented. And if so, are they done consistently in a way that is measurable? So that's kind of the challenge that we've always had. And so when the request came in again, this repeated request of we need best practices, we tend to try to have a best practice call every quarter. This time around though, instead of focusing on what's new in the best practice category and what's trendy, uh, we really try to focus on what are just the top five out there? Um, so what are the best of the best that the top salespeople are using and let's feel let's figure out this commonality between them and of course there were and let's be as tactical as possible in describing how to execute those best practices so for instance you could say to someone yeah you should leverage all the data that we have to create a prospect list so that that's engaging that's a great best practice but that's not really something you can implement tomorrow. Like, how do you actually build that list? What data do you use? How long does it take? How often do you revise that list? Are you inputting into the CRM? How do you input in the CRM? How do you gauge interest accurately? How do you update interest accurately? How do you create a pipeline from that list? So those are the tactical questions that only really come into play when you start sitting down and thinking, okay, now I'm going to do this now. How do I actually do it? And something even as simple as, hey, as a best practice, we want to be better email writers. We want to have better skills. Well, that requires you to sit down for an hour a week and actually work at being a creative writer. What are the resources that we can provide you to do that? So I think for implementing the best practices and continuous learning, it goes back to being tactical and making sure that it's information and best practices they can actually do right now. So we have to be very instructional with our approach and also not try to invent a new best practice every week. It's really just hitting the top once over and over until it becomes habitual for everybody. I love that. I think that that's a great way to focus. Now, you know, obviously a lot of organizations are, are pivoting to, you know, a more remote work environment given everything that's going on. You know, I, I'd love to hear from you. What have been some of the biggest challenges for delivering the training to the teams you support and how mm -hmm. has sales enablement addressed some of those challenges? Uh, I actually think that we've been fortunate in this area because we 
our entire learning management system that we use is, is online, um, and we launched that over a year ago. Uh, we've done virtual trainings for a couple of years now, and we, we use Skype and Zoom. And so all of that is pretty easy to transition in a work from home environment. What is harder, um, I guess a challenging part are, are kind of twofold. One is, again, going back to that question about prioritization, what are you actually going to need to train them on right now? And what do you decide to train them on live, uh, where you're capturing their attention live versus if you do a recording and make them listen to it and take an assessment. So that that also requires a little bit of artistry to figure out and creativity. Um, I think the other challenge, uh, aside from the prioritization, is capturing their attention, right? So it's uh, it's not easy. Like Zoom fatigue and virtual meeting fatigue is real. And so if you're going to capture people for three hours, like you know, make sure there's extended breaks. Make sure that you're using all of the bells and whistles of technology, whether it's polling or um, you know cameras or uh, Q and A, like everything possible, breakout rooms. So we're we're trying all the time to figure out creative new ways to be engaging um, with our audience and and we just realized that the in the past when you were able to break out your normal routine by seeing people it was less important to do that because people's attention spans seem to be longer on zoom or on skype but now it's okay if we give you a really intense subject we can only really make you focus for 30 minutes then we have to do an exercise for 15 then we have to do a break and then we have to give you another topic that's a little bit lighter or like uses another part of your brain to make it a little bit easier for you to keep up so if we're going to if we're going to capture your attention for more than a couple hours so i think it's just like it's the challenge of trying to maintain attention uh, while you're doing the training and then of course the prioritization as i mentioned before Absolutely. Now, if you don't mind, I'd love to shift our conversation a little bit um, because on your LinkedIn profile, uh, you actually emphasize uh, maximizing the client experience as one of your, your primary responsibilities. How can you explain how sales enablement supports this objective? Sure. Uh, I, I think this is an important one and one that's usually forgotten because we are so internally focused. Um, and, and I always want to make sure that we're balancing the support that we provide our client facing teams internally with the ultimate purpose, which is to drive better experiences for our, our end clients or for our investment advisors in our case. So I think that the way that we do that is to always have the true client in mind. We, do we want to cater to every request from sales? No. Do we want to make sure that their ideas and requests are taken into the context of, is this going to provide a better use case or a better experience for the clients in general? Um, is this scalable that everyone can learn from and use across the board? These are questions that we're constantly asking ourselves. So I think that when it comes to sales enablement impacting the client experience, there's so much that sales enablement can do and has the um, opportunity and the power to do. So whether it's from uh, ensuring that you have the right lead process in place, 
when you have marketing leads from email campaigns going out, making sure that the language in that is matching what the clients and the client facing teams actually want and use so that there's alignment across the board. Um, whether it's events that you're putting on virtually or otherwise for clients, making sure that experience is top notch and that it's catered and personalized for them. Um, whether it's data visualization, like we want, we work so much with data nowadays, but um, are, is the way that we're showing the data usable for the sales team, are they able to then use that and provide a more personalized experience for certain segments of clients? Uh, so I, I, even the communications, like are the ways that we communicate, whether it's through email uh, communication to our internal teams or it's through the internet that we manage for our sales associates, is the information there applicable? Is it prioritized based on what our clients need to hear from the most? Um, so I think all of that goes into just alignment of internal resources, what we put in front of the sales team, and ultimately what they put in front of clients. Absolutely. Now, I want to dive just a little bit deeper, um, because obviously in today's kind of economic climate um, and, and moving to a predominantly virtual environment, you know, what are some of the inherent challenges um, that you guys are facing in maximizing the client experience? And, and how can sales enablement help ensure that the client facing teams continue to deliver excellent uh, client experiences, even in this environment? That's another great question. I, I never imagined that it would take this to make everyone uh, tech friendly so fast. Um, we we introduced virtual meetings about a year and a half ago, which seemed prescient now. But uh, when we did, it was it was a bit of a struggle uh, to get everyone on our sales team and our client facing teams to accept it and to use it and to engage with it. But kudos to them for for both our Canada and U.S. teams for doing a phenomenal job taking it, running with it, and then finding creative ways to make it their own. So I think the fact that we were early on that really, really helped um, because now that we're in an environment where everyone is forced to do it virtually, not only are we able to provide that level of support to our associates where like we already had the technology in place, we already trained them on it. Now they're able to then take that knowledge and transfer it to our clients and say, hey, this is how you can use virtual for your own meetings. This is how you can engage audiences with this type of technology. So I think that has been a great way to deal with that specific challenge. But I think a bigger challenge that we are still struggling with, and I don't think that there's a, um, a magic bullet for this, is how do you capture attention? Um, in, in so many ways, being in a virtual environment democratizes everyone, but then the only ways that you can really be unique and differentiated is through email, a phone call, a virtual meeting. And getting that first attention or getting that uh, first contact, especially with a prospect, is incredibly difficult now. Uh, everyone has so much going on and it's not like they just have so much going on at work. They At the same time, they're you know, their spouses, their parents, their teachers um, at, this, at the same exact time. So you are dealing with a world where information is just going all the time and it's so easy to not read an email, it's so easy to delete, it's so easy not to answer the phone. So we have to make sure that the information that we put in front of clients and that we put in front of our sales associates is really engaging and meaningful right now um, and balance that with the fact that 
this environment is so hard and it's so personally challenging for everyone and remembering to be human. Yes, we are trying to run a business. Yes, we are trying to sell products, but at the same time, acknowledging that this is not going to be the most efficient time for everyone. We are not expecting a hundred percent hit rate on the phone. Um, we're just trying to figure out, okay, what information can we get for you so that you can make our clients feel really secure about what their, their business with us. And so that you're getting the information to prospect the right people. So it's, it's being careful how we burn those calories, if you will. But I don't think that we have a, a magic answer for that, unfortunately. And, and I'm sure we'll struggle with it for some time. Well, I think the approach that you are taking is spot on. I think empathy is really going to rule in today's times. Uh, so, you know, I want to close. Um, this has been a fantastic podcast, by the way, but I want to close with, with this kind of um, what you see for the future of sales enablement. How do you envision it evolving, especially with all the kind of radical change we've undergone in just the last few months? How do you envision it evolving over the next year and beyond? Oh, it's... That's a big question and something I've been thinking about a, a lot. Um, I have a, I, ha I have an amazing team and in so many ways we started off as a band of misfits, not exactly sure how we would all fit the components together. And what ended up happening was a pretty magical group that just, um, that just constantly raises the bar and uh, I talked a little bit about Don, who's in charge of our training development, Jeff Robinson, who's in charge of our data analytics and visualization. He and I have talked about this a lot. What is like the next evolution? And I really want the sales enablement arena to be focused more on how can we measure the propensity for a client to buy our product or to become a client. What is that lifetime value of that client? And I know that that has a lot to do with data, but I also think it has to do with like just the amount of calories that we spend as client facing people trying to win business. It's, is there better ways to do that? Like if we can reduce the amount of no's that you get or the amount of emails that don't get returned, I want to figure that out. I want to try to get to that magic bullet as much as possible. So we're also not wasting the time of our clients. So if there's a, someone who's never going to become a client, let's know that now and not bother them with emails and phone calls and trying to get a meeting. Um, let's find our niche and just stick with an area that can win. So the more specific we can get, I think also the more personalized things can get because information is so available and so free in so many ways, people are expecting the experience that they get from a vendor or for any any company they do business with, business with to be personalized um, to them and to cater to their needs. And so I think it's evolving the sales enablement process to be more personal. And the only way we do that is to find the nuances and the niches that every sales associate and every sales territory has and be able to create custom visualization just for them to be able to uh, understand how to prioritize the communications we give just to them. So we're constantly struggling with, okay, what is scalable and what degree of customization can we still make within that scalability? Hopefully that, that helps a little bit. I don't have a clear, uh, I don't have a clear sight into what's exactly going to happen in the future, but that's kind of my overall vision. I love that. And no worries. No one has a crystal ball, but it does sound like you guys are doing amazing things over at Russell Investments. So thank you so much, Julie, for taking the time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Shauna, so much for having me. 
To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.